The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 52. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? The disciples said to him, Yes. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, I don't think anybody here is going to disagree that Jesus is a treasure. A treasure is something of great worth. And as to his person, Jesus is the Son of God. He's almighty, so he can do whatever he wills. He's all-knowing, and as the saying goes, knowledge is power. He's eternal, so he doesn't weaken or fade away. We could say more, but let's tally it up as this. Divinity, power, knowledge, and eternalness are all of great worth. On top of that, Jesus makes use of this worth for your good. He is by nature love, and his actions reflect his nature. He works and serves to deliver you from death. He works to give you eternal life. So Jesus has great worth, and he uses it to save you. I don't think anybody here will argue that Jesus is not a treasure. I also don't think that anybody here will argue that Jesus is such a treasure that he is worth giving up everything else. If you have the Son of God who delivers you from death and gives you everlasting life, how could anything else compare? This should define how you look at his commandments, by the way. In your sinfulness, you resent his law because you want to break it, and so you see his commands as Jesus being the strict parent who wants to save you but won't let you have any fun. But that's all wrong. Jesus has already died and risen again to give you everlasting life. He's already given that life to you in your baptism, and he gives his law so that you don't throw it all away. 
think of it this way, since we have the parable of the pearl of great price in our reading as well today, if you've ever purchased pearl jewelry, pearls come with the warning. You should never submerge pearls in water, which has always struck me as funny because pearls develop underwater in oysters. The reason for that warning, though, is that so much water is chlorinated or acidic and either is corrosive to the surface of the pearl, and an ugly pearl has lost its worth and its beauty. So, if someone gives you an expensive piece of pearl jewelry and says, don't wear this in the swimming pool, you're not going to say, you can't tell me what to do. You're going to say, thank you for the gift, and thank you for the reminder of how to take care of the treasure. When Jesus speaks his law, he's warning you to avoid things that would ruin his priceless gift of salvation. And yet his law irritates you no end. He warns you of whole spectrums of sin in his Ten Commandments. With thou shalt not kill, he tells you that everything from murder down to angry thoughts are at work to doom you. With thou shalt not commit adultery, He warns you that everything from wrecking families down to lustful thoughts will damn you. It's not because Jesus is a spoil sport, but that he wants you to preserve the treasure of your relationship with him because that means salvation and eternal life. I mean, do you really want to make the argument that salvation is pretty cool, but that gossip or looking at porn is worth more? We're talking about eternal life, deliverance from death, freedom from sin. When Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, your response should be, well, yeah, that only makes sense. All of this is to say that it's pretty obvious that Jesus is such a treasure that in the language of our text, He is worth selling everything and giving up everything you hold dear to have. All of that is true. I think no one here will argue that point whatsoever. And now I have some really, really good news. That's not what the parable of the treasure is about. It is not what these parables are about. They often get preached that way. I've heard too many sermons that go, Jesus is the treasure. If you seek him and give up everything for him, then you will have him as your savior. Or, Jesus is the pearl of great price. If you are willing to give up all to make him your own, then he will be your Lord and then you are saved. I gotta say though, that doesn't sound much like saved by grace through faith alone apart from works at all. What are these parables about? In parables, the one who does the good thing, usually the main actor, that's the Lord. Normally, a field symbolizes the world. In the parable of the hidden treasure, the man buys the entire field to have the buried treasure. And that sounds an awful lot like John 3 verse 17. 
For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In order to buy the field for the treasure, the man sells all that he has with joy. Which sounds an awful lot like the description of Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, in Hebrews 2.12, which says, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And, of course... He purchases the world for the sake of the treasure within, which quickly sends me back to John 3, this time verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, if Jesus is the man who finds a treasure and joyfully gives all he has to buy the field... Then what is the treasure? You! You are the treasure. Stinky, wandering, stubborn, sinful you. He created this world to be perfect, and your first parents ruined the entire universe. Your sins only further the corruption of creation, the decay of others, and your own decline. And on your own, claiming that you look good because of your good works... That's like looking at a piece of moldy bread and saying, well, it's still good because that fuzzy blue spot isn't as blue or fuzzy as the rest. What I'm trying to say is this. If you take the confession of sin that you made at the start of the service seriously, then there is nothing about you that makes you a treasure. You're not holy. You're not righteous. And you face death for your sin. That does not make you worth a lot. That makes you worth less. To clean up what the Bible says about sinful you, you are treasure, but trash. And yet, in the parable, you are the treasure, and you are the treasure because the Son of God became man. Becoming man and coming into this world, he joyfully gave all that he had. Philippians 2 says that Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. At the cross, Jesus became the trash so that you might be the treasure. He took on all the stink, all the shame, all the guilt of your sin, and he died with it. Risen again, he has cleansed you with his own blood. He gives you his righteousness and life and maintains that by his word and by his supper. You might be familiar with an old poem or song that says that sinners are like an old, out-of-tune violin that appears to have no value, but... Then Jesus comes along and tunes it up, and when he plays, he shows the violin's inherent worth. But it's really not like that at all. See, you don't start out as a violin with inherent worth that needs the touch of the master's hand. 
You start out more like the plastic wrapper from a convenience store burrito that got stuck to a farmer's boot before he walked through the cow pasture without minding his step. But then you're plunged into the waters of holy baptism. There you're joined to Christ. There you're raised up a gold chalice. The transformation is jaw-dropping and more. By his death and resurrection, Jesus gives you worth. He redeems you to make you the treasure. So, in this parable, you are the treasure. Now, we still have a couple of other parables to address in this short reading. As you are the treasure, you are also the pearl of great price. And the Lord has sold all that he had, giving himself up on the cross to make you his. Doesn't look like it yet. You don't look like the pearl of great price. Just like the weeds and the wheat were mixed together last week, right now you're like fish in the sea. Because Jesus has redeemed you, now you're a prize catch because he is your worth. But for now, in Idaho terms, you're down in the deep pool, a prize trout swimming among the whitefish and the dying mangled kokanee. On the last day when all are caught in the dragnet, it will all be sorted out and you will be revealed as the treasure, the prize catch Jesus has made you to be. Until then, remember, in Christ, you are the treasure. Should that not be a great comfort and joy? You are the treasure because Christ has turned you from dying rubbish to holy treasure by no less than his own suffering and death. Should that not fill you with an endless gratitude and set you free to serve those around you as you follow the lead of your Savior? You are the treasure. Artist Ed Riojas has painted the picture of this parable, and he's focused on the moment when the price has been paid, when the field has been bought, and it's time for the treasure to be revealed. In the picture he paints, Jesus is pulling the treasure chest out of the ground. And the treasure chest is your casket, as Christ unearths you on the last day, when he will raise you up a new and perfect creation. That is your hope that will not disappoint. In Christ, you are the treasure, both now and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.